You're listening to The Retail Perch with Shekhar Raman and Gary Hawkins. We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Retail Perch. And uh, this is, we're getting into the second month of the year already, 2023. I mean, when you say time goes fast, it zooms along. <laughs> Literally. And literally, given the fact that we're on Zoom. So I guess uh, this has been crazy, but we've already had a couple of really interesting episodes so far on the retail part. And Gary, I'd say we've got some really good guests so far. Yeah, we, we have. No, that, uh, uh, starting out the year in, in great shape and I'm sure to uh, get even better as we go. Yeah, and I think I have a newfound appreciation for the number of dimensions of retail and the different opportunities and challenges that are presented here. So we're going to be talking about one more. And uh, we have a very interesting guest, again, from north of the border. It looks like we're attracting more people from north of the border into our show. But um, I'm going to let Sean introduce himself. But it's a very interesting area. Again, one one we've never broached on the retail perch. Uh, but I'll let uh, Sean share his background and what his company does. So please help me welcome Sean. I know you're not a football coach. But uh, there is a football coach with your same name, just in case yeah. you didn't know. <laughs> but, well, thanks, uh, uh, Shaker and Gary. from Engagement Agents. Here you are. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. And hopefully I'll uh, start your February off on uh, setting the bar high. Uh, but yeah, my name is Sean Snyder. I'm a uh, former retailer. I like to think of myself still as a fellow retailer. And um, just a quick story of myself. I was with a 85-store retail chain here in Canada called Stitch at Clothing Alterations. And I was heading up their sales and marketing as part of their executive team. And uh, what wound up happening is I quickly realized that Stitch It was spending millions of dollars every year as part of their leases for marketing. So it's baked into the, whether it's the gross rent, the cam fees, promo funds, percentage rent, no two leases are the same. Uh, and they weren't really doing anything with it. So I jokingly called it the world's most expensive gym membership and wound up trying to do this work amongst our stores and it just really became almost impossible to do manually the old-fashioned way so what wound up happening is i took the initiative to do it myself and it was just an utter nightmare to manage so six years ago wound up building a solution called engagement agents and that's what we've been focused on uh presenting our solution to the uh, tenants and retailers wow so so let me just ask you clarification so Stitch It was paying some kind of lease, which included in it a number of other things where you could use it for marketing and I guess on digital and physical properties within the shopping area that Stitch It was in. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So every, uh, I'll say for the most part, every shopping center has what we'll kind of call their their marketing ecosystem. So think of it as they've got their own little, I shouldn't say little, they've got their own retail media network, if you will. Hmm. Um, so for Stitch It, basically, if you can envision and to uh, follow along with that theme of the media network, uh, they basically had 85 different media networks, if you will, because they were in 85 different properties. And to this whole point, really, the problem is the industry's fragmented and none of them talk to each other. So in the normal course of business, when we started to try to uh, utilize these opportunities or this ecosystem, we initially 
really left it up to the store managers and said, okay, store managers, you know, your shopping center, you know, the area. So, you know, here's the marketing collateral, go distribute it out through your shopping centers, marketing channels, um, which we, you know, on reflection, we wanted the store managers focus on servicing more customers and selling more on the store floor versus worrying about is the shopping center promoting what's going on uh, this week, whether it's a event we were putting on or a sale or a gift with purchase or a new product or service we were offering. And then uh, to that point, then I wound up taking that responsibility on myself because again, we said it didn't make sense to have multiple people doing the same thing multiple times. And then that's really when the, uh, the frustration kicked in because literally I was doing the same, I was doing the same amount of work 85 times. Right. And Sean, for for background, uh, it's, I think, pretty common practice in the real estate industry, right? If you're a tenant of a a strip center or a mall or whatever, that part of your lease requires some kind of payment into a marketing fund for that property, correct? So again, I'll generalize and say yes. Uh, Depends on the property, depends on the tenant. Uh, There may be cases, so, you know, specific to the grocery retailers that are in a shopping center. uh, And again, I'm just generalizing this. Uh, They may not be paying into a marketing fund, but they're paying a variable or percentage rent, which then objectively would mean that technically it's in the shopping center's best interest to promote the grocery retailer, because the more sales the grocery store does, the more money the shopping center makes, therefore technically you're paying for it, yeah. right? Um, so it's not in some cases, uh, which to this point, most retailers or tenants don't know, it may be explicit in the agreement. It might be implicit because to the, the point, every shopping center has these channels available and they want the tenants engaged. So there's there's really a couple problems happening, right? So if you talk yeah. to the shopping centers, They've got all these opportunities for their tenants. They want the tenants to use them because they've got them available and they obviously want to uh, drive more traffic and sales to the property and to the tenants and it's in everybody's best interest. The challenge generally when we hear it from shopping centers is they say, well, it's like pulling teeth trying to get the retailers engaged because to kind of what I was saying earlier, most shopping centers have the relationship with the store manager and not the corporate office. So then when you get into, let's say, I don't know, Boxing Week or Black Friday or post-Christmas or Valentine's Day's upcoming, that the challenge that shopping centers have is they can't get the tenants engaged because by the time they go to the store manager and say, hey, we're going to do a Valentine's Day push, tell us what's going on, the store manager might not know or they don't have the assets and they've got to get them. And by the time they get them, it's February 14th. So the opportunity has come and gone. And then, and then you have to do this 85 times in your store because it's 85 different store managers dealing with the individual property owners to do all. There's no yep. centralized mechanism to push this content and program. Yeah, so the real problem is the industry's fragmented and each shopping center kind of operates in its own little uh-huh. island or if you want to call, like if you stick with my earlier analogy, each shopping center is its own little gym. So your client really is the, the retailer and you're providing a service to them helping uh, optimize or or make sure they're getting full value for their marketing spend across those 85 different properties or however many that they're in. 
Yeah, so specifically what our engagement agents platform is doing is we've made it super easy for the retailers or the tenants to execute their marketing campaigns at scale across these different ecosystems or media networks, if you will, that the shopping centers have. So to your point, uh, yes, the retailers are maximizing all these opportunities that they have available to them that they're technically paying for. Uh, so again, I kind of use the analogy of basically, you know, we're going to the gym and working out and we're helping the retailer get big and strong or lean and mean. And if, you know, to this point, somebody came to my door right now and said, hey, Sean, for whatever, $19.99 a month, I'm going to go work out at the gym for you and you're going to get lean and fit and big and strong, like sign me up today. Right. Yeah. Right. So are they paying for this on top of what they're already paying the shopping mall? Uh, yeah. So our, our model is we charge um, a, a monthly fee. It's a SaaS model. So subscription mm -hmm. and service model. Uh, and we charge a, a, a fee or investment per location based on the number of locations a retailer has or a tenant has that have marketing. Uh, so it, it does vary depending on the property, but uh, generally speaking, we've been able to confidently show the retailers or tenants that uh, with our platform, we can be more effective for them and generate more ROI for them instead of doing this work manually the old fashioned way. So it's taking huge to kind of what I was saying earlier, taking this huge weight off the store manager. So again, they can go spend that hour every week selling more on the store floor and selling, who knows, right? $1,000 more of groceries. There's, more there's an operational efficiency element here. Huge. huge. Right? And it, and it uh, check out to that point. I mean, the, 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 more, the more stores, the bigger the problem is because it grows exponentially. Correct. Correct. That's terrific. So on the back end, what you've done is you've kind of built the integrations into these different shopping malls to distribute the content? Is that how I'm reading? Yeah, so what we've uh, we've done is the uh, <laughs> painstaking cumbersome process of getting all the intricacies property by property, because to this point, they're all fragmented. And uh, again, I guess the best uh, analogy would be, we've sort of mapped every shopping center's highway. And we then act as a air traffic controller so that uh, when let's say, Levi's, who's one of our customers, uh, goes in and has their different campaigns, we're basically acting as an air traffic controller and making sure that the Levi's campaigns are getting out and also getting executed by their shopping centers um, so that Levi's knows and has a level of insight and transparency to know which shopping centers are executing the campaigns and how they're being promoted to drive more traffic and sales to Levi's and their shopping centers. Hmm. Got it. Yeah. Oh, cool. Really cool. Terrific. Yeah. So, and so, and how, how are you measuring uh, ROI then? Uh, yeah, great question. So the, uh, we basically are tapping into however the retailers manage the ROI today. Uh, so the retailers, there's no uh, technology integration or heavy lifting for them. It's literally however they measure their uh, success of their marketing campaigns today. Because um, generally speaking, this is part of their marketing campaign mix, right? So in the simplest form, uh, if I go to a retailer and I walk by and see the poster in the window, so it's, let's say, their new shoe collection or uh, a BOGO or a gift with purchase, uh, in most cases, that's what the retailers are uh, communicating out to the shopping centers. So then, therefore, there's a consistent uh, experience and message for customers so when they see it on the 
shopping centers app or they get an email from the shopping center about, hey, there's this gift with purchase at so-and-so retailer that when they walk by the store, they'll see that exact same poster. So hopefully, you know, the frequency's there to trigger the customer. Like, I'm going in and shopping at this retailer and they've got the gift with purchase. Got hmm. it. Got it. Cool. So, yeah. so are you, so you, what kind of metrics do you provide back to the retailer? Just provide me. Yeah, so we can provide, uh, I mean, general metrics in terms of uh, engagement with the properties in terms of on a property by property level. Uh, so the retailers can see what shopping centers are promoting it and how often and how long uh, it takes them. Uh, and then we can, depending on the property, um, share um, like clicks and impressions so that the retailers can see what impact they're having so that they can make better uh, business and marketing decisions, even on a property by property level or a regional are you level. doing this only on like mobile and uh web or are you also doing it on physical like tvs they may have and displays within the uh yeah great question so the the ecosystem again it, it varies property by property to this whole point yeah. about you know the fragmentation uh but it's everything from the uh mobile sites websites apps if the shopping centers have them uh, email marketing campaign, social media, in-mall digital sign, and or even physical opportunities that might exist at the property. Um, I guess I should also mention just on this topic, uh, uh, it also inclusive of like lifestyle centers or outlets, shopping centers, malls. So it's really about locations that offer their tenants uh, mm. marketing support versus being limited to just shopping centers or malls. Uh, and I bring that up because... I know there are a lot of shopping centers or malls or locations that have marketing where let's say a grocery retailer is anchoring there. Um, and obviously there's a lot of grocery stores that are standalone. They're in a big box center and it's really up to the, you know, the, the retail right. devices to find people and bring them in. But there are a lot of them that are anchored to whether it's again, an outlet or lifestyle center or shopping center uh, where they've got the same challenges. Mm. Yeah. Are, are you able to measure uh, foot traffic into the store? We don't measure the foot traffic into the store. Some of the retailers we work with, or a lot of them actually have their own foot traffic counters. Yeah. So uh, to that point, Gary, they can put two and two together and say, okay, we pushed out this campaign yesterday uh, at you know four o'clock, five o'clock or six o'clock, whatever time we started to see an increase in foot traffic um and and tie a ribbon around it that way yeah okay interesting because i'm wondering if if there's a scope for like a partnership with something like a live ramp to get additional mobile data to get location to kind of yep. correlated with you know you saw the ad and then you went to you went to the mall or the location yeah well i was just gonna say so i think i think the other uh, general thing which i know everybody uh can appreciate is sort of like the holy grail is the whole true sort of offline to online attribution. So really there's a certain line there where it's kind of like at the least line because to this point and irrelevant of the shopping centers, but just in general, right? So if right. I get the you know grocery flyer and I walk in and they don't have that product in stock anymore or whatnot, and I walk out, nobody knows that Sean came in and was going to buy because he saw X, but he didn't, or I don't know, right. the staff weren't there to help me and I left, et cetera. So I think that's a big challenge for a lot of retailers and any of the marketing that they're doing, as you know, is there's so much going on and so much noise is how do you know exactly 
who sure. came in and bought because of what they saw where, unless there's a coupon sure. code or say this magic word at the POS, right? <laughs> That's true. That's true. So uh, this is an interesting, possibly awkward question. How, how, how did, uh, how did retailers uh, react to the whole pandemic when it came to this kind of platform? Because it was driving foot traffic. Uh, was there, did you see any change in approach? Yeah, actually, great, great question, Shikhar. So um, what we actually found is a lot of retailers, obviously, were under pressure once the store started to reopen to get traffic back in, uh, or, I mean, just traffic and sales in general, whether it was in-store online. Um, but I think, interesting enough, there was more onus on the retailers to start, um, I guess I'll say, looking under the rocks, if you will, for opportunities. So I think timing-wise, uh, as unfortunate as the pandemic uh, was or is or has been, depending on who you talk to, um, I think that's put more onus on the retailers to say, okay, we're going to, uh, you know, leave no stone unturned, if you will, to figure out, you know, what can we tap into that we're already uh, paying for but not using. Um, mm -hmm. And then I think the other interesting part was the pressure on the retailers, because unfortunately, again, right, people got laid off, had to let go, move jobs. Uh, it put more onus on retailers to look for ways to streamline and automate and simplify things that were typically, you know, manual, time-consuming, laborious. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, we, we were there at the right time. Yeah. Plus, I guess, I guess they wanted to reach more customers at the points that they engage with these technologies, right? So. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, they're all looking for, you know, new customers and trying to keep it. Uh, existing customers. So the other interesting thing too, which we found is there's this, um, I think also onus on the retailers of, uh, I don't know if keeping up with the Joneses is the right word, but if I'm, if I'm a, a gene retailer and I've got 20 competitors in a shopping center and generally speaking, like it's all going to be similar competitors when you walk in the mall. And if I know that my competitors are taking advantage of these opportunities and not me, then objectively speaking, I'm literally paying my shopping centers to promote my competitors and drive traffic right. away from my right. store, which makes yeah, absolutely yeah. sense. Subsidizing no their sense. ad campaigns and something. Yeah. 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 So, so let me ask you this, Sean. In the world of grocery, uh, you know, particularly when you look across the mid-markets or the regional chains, uh, you know, many of these companies own uh, their own real estate. So many of them, you know, own the strip centers, et cetera. Uh, and yet, I don't think too many of them think in this direction of marketing their property, asking other tenants to maybe help pay into an ad fund or something. Uh, do you think there's an opportunity for them as, you know, landlords in that position to, to uh, do something in this area? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think I think really the dependency on that, Gary, would be the number of sort of tenants in the area. Uh, so, for example, I mean, if there's a strip plaza that has, you know, anchored by a grocery store and it's got two other tenants, I don't know if that would be meaningful enough of an impact. But uh, I do know there are a number of them out there where there's a decent amount of tenants in that property, uh, irrespective of, I'm not sure necessarily, maybe if the, the grocery store owns it or co-owns it, et cetera. But um, I do believe there's a lot of untapped opportunities uh, to, yeah, bring this sort of network or community effect 
as part of it. So another good example would be even, for example, um, like business improvement areas or business improvement districts. By definition, they're not a mall or shopping center, but they operate for this context in a similar sort of community capacity of kind of operating like a mall, if you will. So there are a lot of business improvement districts, um, like one comes to mind, uh, like Magnificent Mile, where, I mean, it's, it's a high street area, right. if you will, but in this context, they offer marketing to their uh, Magnificent Mile tenants, if you will, uh, which arguably to this point is technically subsidized or paid for by the tax levies and dues that those retailers pay for on Magnificent Mile. So at the end of the day, to this point, it's still being paid for, but not fully utilized. Right. Hmm. That's cool. So do, do you have any um, interesting case studies, stories that you guys have encountered over the last few years? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we've got, uh, we've got tons. So uh, I mean, one of the more successful ones is we've been able to show uh, a retailer that we were able to drive an, an incremental thirty uh, percent more foot traffic. Wow, thirty uh, yeah. percent! Yep, thirty percent more. Now, again, where where the lines drawn is, uh, and it was uh, generally higher ticket item uh, in jewelry, uh, but to this point, where really the line gets drawn is okay. Uh, to this point of the foot traffic counters, the traffic's going up, but if the sales don't change, then generally speaking, that could imply there's a problem with the selling at the store level. Yep. Right. right. Which right. is out, which is at, at that point, I mean, it's out of any technically any technology control. That's all just up to operations you know, selling. Right, right. Yeah. But then generally foot traffic you would think has some some proportional connection to increasing. Sales, yep. assuming there's a fixed conversion yep. ratio, right? So. Exactly. Yep. Um, and we've been able to, on the, uh, you know, a hot topic is obviously, you know, saving money. So to this point, uh, and this is all on our website as well. So uh, one retailer um, had 140 stores. And to this point, they had all their store managers doing this work manually, or they thought the store manager were doing it manually. Uh, so the simple math was okay, if you shave an hour off of every, uh, store manager a week and allow them to redirect that hour to selling another $500 more every week on the store floor. Uh, it's a pretty, you know, pretty attractive ROI. Right. right. And how about, how about segmenting your uh, customers? I mean, the, the, the demographic to reach maybe the right customer, like somebody like, you know, I'm just going to take an example, Tiffany's right. Yep. You know, in the mall is probably targeting and wants to attract a certain type of public into uh, into their store. Not everybody's going to walk into a Tiffany's, and I'm not sure they even want everybody to walk into a Tiffany's. But uh, how do you how do you go about doing that on your platform? Is that is that a capability that you offer your customers? We do. So the the retailers that we work with or the tenants, if you will, to to make it a bit more general, because uh, they're all applicable whether it's a retailer, department store quick service restaurant, mm -hmm. dining, grocery store, et cetera. Right. Um, we have the ability for them to segment however they want. Uh, and the other interesting too that we're finding is there is a lot of, which again is part of this whole fragmentation problem. There are a lot of truly local opportunities that go on on a property by property level, where again, in the normal course of business, if um, uh, let's say, uh, just as an example, let's say Mall of America is putting on a fashion event. Uh, 
they're looking for the tenants or certain tenants to get involved in that initiative. But again, mm. typically got it. it falls to the store manager and the store manager's got to relay it to the district manager who relays it to the regional VP. And by the time it gets up to marketing, because uh, I went through this firsthand, by the time it gets up to marketing, the fashion show was either tonight, yesterday, or tomorrow. <laughs> And right. your your hands are tied because as a retailer, you wanted to participate in it or you want to be so specific example for us was uh, when I was at Stitch It, this one shopping center was putting on uh, girls night out. So they had a bunch of retailers, little soiree, uh, and they wanted participation from certain retailers. And unfortunately, I found out, uh, I think a week after the event, because I saw the press release and I went to the property and I said, hey, why didn't we get, you know, offered this opportunity because we would have loved to. And they said, well, yeah, we gave it to your store manager and uh, no one's the wiser. No, I see lots of opportunities. I mean, you know, you have so many strip malls that either have a Starbucks, a Subway, you know, Pizza Hut, you know, maybe your salon, you know. Uh, yep. Uh, they all have apps of their own. And I can, I can see how potentially maybe a retailer wants to leverage uh, you know, being able to advertise on those apps to drive additional traffic into their store because they know they're all coming to that location, right? So, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. No, this is super interesting, and you know, you know, you don't think about all the opportunities that uh, are out there for people to connect. You know, it's just so many ways. That's that's amazing. Yeah, and I'm well, and I'm thinking, you know, there's there's definitely a value here, and you know, most, you know, I'd say three quarters of, of uh, grocery stores are probably part of some shopping mall enclave, right? The, the yeah. Very few of them are really purely freestanding uh, supermarkets. And I would think that they're definitely interested in, a, I know a lot of them are connected directly to either there's a liquor store down the road, there's a pizza shop, there's a pet store. I mean, there's just so many cross connections. In fact, talking to somebody else earlier today about coalition marketing and right. you think about coalition marketing or coalition loyalty you know it's, it's all about trying to figure out how to take advantage of traffic that benefits everybody in that location yep. right so yep. yeah and i mean the same would be true for the shopping centers right like they basically exactly. have their own coalition if you will and they're trying to you know again right like just wearing yeah. my retailer hat uh you know, Mall of America wants people coming into Mall of America, not going to Amazon and shopping or any right. other e-commerce right. retailer and shopping, right? So right. I think there's a big a big opportunity for the retailers and the shopping centers, I think is also an interesting topic about really the true, you know, collaboration, um, which I feel like we're playing a role in to try to make that collaboration easier and get out the, uh, or alleviate a lot of the so I, I can see in the distant future, engagement agents being the premier ad agency for the metaverse. <laughs> you know, that'd be a great use case. You know, I got my uh, AR, VR equipment on and I'm walking down the mall somewhere and you have the ability to pop up these uh, ads across these yeah. different VR worlds uh, to drive, you know, clicks into a virtual mall, right? So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super interesting. Exciting. Gaddy, any anything else from your end? No, this is uh, it. It really is interesting because yeah. uh, I, I think it's a channel or you know a way to uh, be thinking about this. A lot of retailers and merchants don't typically think of. 
And I think, you know, I appreciate the challenges that you have when you, when you're a footlocker in a mall and you've got 1500 locations and you've got, you know, you're in 20 different ownerships of these malls and how do you get the message across that's uniform? So, yeah, I think it's a great problem to look at and it's exciting that there are people actually working on solving these problems. So congratulations to you, yeah, Sean. Thank you. Oh, thanks very much. I don't think I would be solving it if I didn't uh, run into the issue firsthand. So exactly. Yeah, exactly. that's for sure. No, that's terrific. No, no, I more power to you and congratulations on all the progress that you've made and, and all the very best for the future. Um, so if, if there's somebody who's listening to this uh, podcast, I'm sure someone's listening, but for the people who are listening to this <laughs> podcast, uh, uh, what if they need to reach you, what would they do? Just go to engagementagents.com? Uh, yeah, they can go to uh, engagementagents.com or my email is sean, S-E-A-N, at engagementagents.com. And obviously we'd love the opportunity to uh, share more about what we do and how we can add value to uh, any tenant or retailer. Terrific. Well, mm -hmm. great. Thank you so much. And by the way, I, as a parting gift, if you do send us your mailing address, we'll make sure you get one of these coffee mugs. Perfect. The retail perch. And then- It'll go with my uh, Nespresso coffee. There you mug. go. You know, I, in fact, I yeah. did try to the Nespresso and the Nespresso tastes a whole lot better in the retail perch mug. Um, so I'm sure you'll enjoy <laughs> that. So, and besides, there's one more thing you can have in your background, and somebody can say, "What's that cool mug? And where'd you get it?" So <laughs> it looked good right along that, alongside that painting bit. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thank you. Thank you. Listen, great chatting with you, and thank you again. And uh, you know, we'll let you know once the episode goes. Right. All right. All right. Thanks, um, thanks gentlemen. Make sure to join us every Monday and connect with us at The Retail Perch on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at theretailperch at birdseye.com. Until next time, this is Shaker. And this is Gary, signing off.